We got to talk about the lost episode. I'll have to see what I can harvest out of that. The lost episode. Mm. Yeah. I don't think we should. I think we just should say, hey, there's a lost episode and just leave it at that. (laughs) It's part of the mythos. Yes. Right. There's great blood and violence and screams. (laughs) That's what it is for us. It's the lost episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we get started with this thing? <laughs> About time. <laughs> okay. Church in space. Welcome, everybody, to Church in Space in 3D. Today's topic is villains. Not just all things villainy, because that's a really big topic, actually. But I thought we'd start with what I call, this is going to be a Church in Space original product where we're going to copyright this it's going to be our thing so this is not a generic hive of scum no i I, I came up with these (laughs) this is not a generic hive of scum this is the church in space taxonomy of villains so we're going to classify sci-fi villains i've got seven classifications and i've got an example and a bible example for every one of them Mm mm-hmm Okay, we'll see how this goes, because usually there's not even that much effort put into planning a show. Yeah. It's like I tried for 10 whole minutes on this. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying earlier, given our uh, track record, um, we might be turning this into a series, yeah. not just like an episode. <laughs> so are we ready? Y'all ready for this? Category number one, taxonomy of villains, the Crusader. The thing about the Crusader is he does a lot of really bad stuff, but he does it because he's absolutely convinced He's got some righteous cause, right? You can have totally different subsets of the Crusader, right? My sci-fi example is Thanos. Thanos is the eco-terrorist crusader because he's absolutely convinced he's doing it to save the environment and save the universe. So we're movie Thanos, not comic Yeah, movie Thanos, not comic. Movie Thanos, he's going to save the environment, and so he kills half the universe. (laughs) The crusader is always sure that they've got the righteous cause, but... It makes them end up killing lots of people. Yes. Make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. My Bible example for this is this is Saul before he's converted in the New Testament, or mm-hmm. Paul, right? He's absolutely convinced he's got the right cause. He's going out and hunting down Christians. Takes being knocked off his donkey or horse or whatever he's on to change that. But yeah, that's Saul. What say you? I will add the Pharisees. We should be careful with the Pharisees because the Pharisees like are kind of like a caricature in the New Testament, you know, mm. but like as depicted in the Gospels, yes. Yeah, I think they could qualify in this category too. Yep. Okay. We'll start with Thanos. Mm-hmm. So let's go with him first. I agree he fits that classification of villain. Mm-hmm. I'm not horribly fond of the cinematic Thanos. We've talked about before, I think, yeah. how we kind of find his motivation weird. Yeah, he's he's a lot flatter. He's a lot more two-dimensional than yes. the comic book. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. coincidentally, this past week, I was doing work with Stages International, which is mm-hmm. developmental psychologists. Their whole focus is on human development. Yeah. And how you can mm-hmm. develop yourself even as an adult. And they were talking about the example that Gandhi and Hitler mm-hmm. had hit the same level of development, but the baggage that Hitler carried made him evil, basically use his developmental powers for evil instead of good versus Gandhi. They pointed out part of the reason Hitler was so evil was that he didn't think he was. Yeah, the Crusader could do a lot of damage, actually, because they're like convinced. Convinced they're doing right. Right, convinced they're doing the right thing. And that's where I find the Marvel Cinematic Thanos, right? He's highly developed. Mm-hmm. But he's got baggage that makes him incredibly flawed, and thus, by the rest of the universe's definition, evil. 
Yeah. What I find very interesting and contradictory mm-hmm. is that Thanos does not grant status as environmental entities to sentient life, right? If it's sentient life, it's free to be wiped out. Right. And somehow he doesn't see that that's also adversely affecting ecosystems across the cosmos. Right. Crusader usually has a blind spot, right? Yeah. There's some, like, flaw in their master scheme. I mean, they can only see this one little point of light. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'll throw it to Drew because you've been looking very contemplative through my overly long explanation. No. So this is why we need to have this as a video series because Dan today is wearing a Marvel hero shirt. <laughs> so he's tricked. <laughs> and so I will say the hero that is the villain with the type of crusader mm-hmm. is this silver surfer. Mm, yeah. 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 I could see that. Right. Silver surfer kind of exists in this weird he works for villains, or at least that's how he starts, right? And what's interesting is in comics, he and a couple of the other heralds of Galactus, yeah. they reject Galactus by the same token they haven't fully rejected him. They still mm-hmm. serve him right. in various ways, yeah. and they still have that Galactus mindset. Like the last appearance of Silver Surfer I read was in a sequence of Avengers comics from a couple of years ago. They were hunting down the Star Brand, and all the former heralds were trying to kill the Star Brand. And for no real good reason. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, it's too much power for a mortal to have. It's like, okay, have you looked at yourselves? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, have any of you ever (laughs) thought about you for a second? Yeah. Yeah. So when Stan Lee first wrote Silver Surfer, Mm -hmm. I thought he was a more complex character Mm -hmm. in that he was going through great deliberation and and, Mm -hmm. and self-turmoil over realizing what he was doing by serving Galactus. And now he's exactly what you said, Drew, Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah, he's got so many blind spots. He's actually, in a very real sense, he's evil now instead of a hero. Yes. There was a newer series from The Silver Surfer about where he comes down to Earth Mm. and actually becomes human for a little bit. He separates from his board and, like, becomes a human because he realized what he is doing to everyone around him, like Mm -hmm. destroying planets just because this is what someone told me to do. Screw the consequences. I think I'm being a hero by destroying everything in planets because my planet was destroyed. Yeah. What I hear out of this, and I think it's true, is that the Crusader type's like usually actually kind of a flat villain. The motivation is almost like too simple. His self-righteousness makes him, or whoever the villain is that fits this category, it's like their self-righteousness makes them flat. Interestingly, this latest season of Star Trek Discovery was really all about was exactly this. Yeah. Because you had two characters that were really on this quest, Mm -hmm. the Crusader quest as heroes. One of them was Book. Mm -hmm. The other one, I can't remember his name, but he was unfortunately one of mine and Garrett's people. You know, he was basically this hyper-advanced physicist guy. And what's interesting is, so he and Book are working together Mm -hmm. on their righteous crusade yeah it explores both sides of what you said because they get toward the final moments mm-hmm. and book realizes that on their crusade yeah. they're actually going to harm more people than the quote-unquote villain that yeah. they were fighting and so book becomes a true hero he yeah. he sees his blind spot tries to fight the other one the other one fortunately because it's star trek at the very, 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 very last millisecond. Gives up the crusade. Yeah, it gives yeah. up the crusade. Right. And so the consequences of billions more people dying don't happen. Yeah. But he was the crusader that 
maintains the villainy because essentially never gives up the blind spot, never gets out of his tunnel vision. So I don't want to jump too far ahead down the list. Yeah. Because neither of us know the list, but you do. I do. I know all. (laughs) (laughs) I have all power. (laughs) Would you say that the Crusader would be more of the anti-hero, but just a very, very basic one? I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about anti-heroes and where they fit. I think anti-hero is a kind of character, not necessarily like a classification. So different anti-heroes can sometimes fit into these different places, right? I think Punisher could fit into this yeah. taxonomy. Yeah. If I think like Walter White from Breaking Bad, he's not this. Because an anti-hero ends up doing good, right. by definition. Early Peter Parker, before mm-hmm. he actually became Spider-Man when he was still wrestling with what to do with his powers. Yeah. You know, and the whole incident with Uncle Ben getting shot. Yeah. Peter Parker started as an anti-hero. He didn't want to go out and spend mm-hmm. his time saving the city. Right. That's what the anti-hero is. They end up doing good things, even no, though they're they resisting that. Right, they don't want to. And, and so, like, the Punisher, like, definitely fits into this this is this thing, right? Like, he actually needs a crusade to function as a human being. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, like, you've almost got to give him one to, like, like go chase the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Shiny. Yeah. yeah. I just think anti-hero, like, could fit in all... Like, you can have an anti-hero who's the crusader yeah. or an anti-hero who's, like, the next one. Yeah. All right. So that's number one. Number two. Two is the soldier who can't give up the war. He's been fighting a war, and he becomes a villain because he can't accept that peace came... And he just keeps fighting the same conflict over and over and over again. So my sci-fi examples for this are, uh, they're, they're both Star Trek examples, because Star Trek does this villain well. I think Star Trek's actually at its best when it does this villain. So Khan in the episode, not, the, not Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. foreshadowing, Khan makes two appearances on this list. <laughs> but, yeah. but the episode where they find Khan, this is, this is his thing, right? He's, he's a Superman, and he's not giving up tries to take over the Enterprise because mm. he's not really giving up the war, basically. Or, if you don't like that, this is exactly Idris Elba's motivation in Star Trek yep. Beyond, yep. right? You know, mm. that he's the soldier who can't give up that the Federation is what it is. And I think Star Trek does this well, especially with Kirk, because Kirk is the soldier who can give up the war. It takes him a while but he always can kind of manage to, like, I want to be a soldier, but I'm an explorer. You know, and Kirk can kind of come there. Kirk is almost this, like, divergent path from this person yeah. always. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is what Star Trek Six is all about, right? Can he give up the war with the Klingons? And, like, eventually it's yes, but it takes him a while. It takes him the whole movie. Diving back into reality. Mm-hmm. Just because this is recent human adult development. Yeah. That's part of it. You can grow all the way up to enlightenment Mm -hmm. but the higher you go you're still able to access your lower developmental cells Mm -hmm. because some situations require it Mm -hmm. yeah i know the numbers mean nothing but on a relative scale right Mm -hmm. you're dealing with a person who's at 2.0 yeah they're gonna think someone who's enlightened is just talking crazy talk right so you have to be able to go down and be a 2.0 yourself and i think that's what kirk is able to do right Mm -hmm. he's got a higher self yeah. And that's when he's the explorer. Right. But he's able to go down to the soldier frequently for reasons only the scriptwriters understand. Uh-huh. Dives down to an even lower level when he meets an alien hot woman. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we already solved this. <laughs> Kirk is God. <laughs> and he creates new universes every time he makes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So uh, would that also make him a crusader because he's always working no, to make no, new universes? No, 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 no. I think he does it on a whim. I don't yeah. like the crusader has like a well thought out plan. Like, yeah, I mean, Kirk just does it. Like, I don't think Kirk on a whim. plans well. <laughs> Kirk doesn't plan well, right? It's like let's just go down here. Like, yeah, check this out. Oh, there's a rip in space time. Let's go through it. Right. <laughs> Everybody in this colony has died due to this strange salt monster. Let's check it out. <laughs> Let's lick it. <laughs> it's like, are you sure, buddy? <laughs> Before my character that definitely exemplifies this, what was the uh, biblical? So uh, this was a little bit difficult. So the Old Testament saw now. So King Saul kind of like exemplifies this, right? Like. He does all these things. He can't quite, like, he has a lot of victories along the way, mm-hmm. you know, but then God moves on and there's David, you know, and he can never quite give up. He keeps trying to pursue David and, like, David has an opportunity to kill him, like, twice, you know, in the Old Testament and David doesn't do it. And each time you'd kind of think to Saul, like, just give up the ghost, man. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, give up the fight and he doesn't do it. It reaches the point where, like, he keeps going after this fight, and so Saul's story ends. It's the saddest story in all of Scripture, where First Samuel 28, read it sometimes. Uh, he goes to this witch, you know, in the middle of the mountains, and he calls up the ghost of Samuel. Yeah, and I, as I recall, Samuel's ghost is pretty grumpy yeah, about Samuel, this. Yeah, Samuel's really grumpy. You know, Samuel was a grump in life, and death has not, like, mellowed him <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> like, like, he calls Samuel up, and Samuel's like, what the hell do you want? Saul's like... Like, what do I do? And Samuel's like, God's forsaken you, dude. Just like, <laughs> like, he abandoned you. I told you. He abandoned you. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> you know, and then he goes back to wherever he goes. And But that's the example. That's the soldier who can't give up the war, right? Mm. So, like, he can't give up the fight in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. U.S. agent. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Right. Yeah, so uh, in the series kind of a spoiler but captain america and the winter soldier mm-hmm. not to be confused with the movie yeah the u.s agent takes up the mantle of captain america because you know we need one as america mm-hmm. and ends up being a uh i want to say it was an iraq war vet right yeah. in the comic yeah i think he was yeah wasn't there a much earlier version of the u.s agent yeah there was but i'm not it's far enough back that I don't clearly remember. Okay. You know, if it was like a, at that point a Vietnam or World War II vet. Yeah. If it was even like from Timely Comics as opposed to Marvel before yeah. Timely became Marvel. He's just buffering. Let's give yeah. him some time. <laughs> it's little apple wheels above his head. <laughs> oh, that's what that is? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. You know, he can't accept the fact that he's not the star player anymore, mm-hmm. that he. Mm-hmm. has to be in charge, has to be this symbol. And yeah. then when he's shown his problems, what's he do? He takes what, HGH, is that what they call it? So that he actually becomes a a super-powered person and mm-hmm. then goes out and basically kills a bunch of people yeah. and uh, doesn't, do, doesn't do well. Yeah. yeah. Wolverine sometimes does this. Yeah. yeah fits I would this say category. Wolverine or Batman. Batman yeah. might be it, yeah. Batman can't give up the fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That comes through all the way into the very groundbreaking Frank Miller, Mm -hmm. his envisioning of the Dark Knight. Ironically, his reinvention got Batman closer to his Bob Kane and finger roots. Mm -hmm. Any finger. But here's Batman, Bruce Wayne in what, his 70s or 80s. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And even though physically it's still yeah. imposing and stuff, but not enough to be the Batman anymore. Yeah. And so instead of saying, no, nah, it's enough. I fought the good fight. No, he's got to get back into the battle. Right. So even Superman saying time to give it up, dude, even his right. body saying time to give it up, dude. Or like this is the storyline of the, the animated uh, Batman Beyond. Batman, Batman Beyond. Beyond. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so yeah. it's yeah. again, right. that continuity yeah. continues. Finally, yeah. finally, when he has to admit he can't do it anymore. Right. He's Batman Beyond. It's like, okay, I'm going to recruit someone. Right. <laughs> recruit. It happens to be my clone. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> recruit my little, you're right, my little clone. Yeah. It, you know. Which. That's just so disappointing that they didn't touch on that. It had to be an episode of the Justice League, not actually Batman Beyond, yeah. where they said that. Batman Beyond was good, and it had so much potential to be great yes. that it almost overshadows how good it was. Because like there were so many missed opportunities yeah. that like, and it was still good. Like don't get me wrong, but like it was the animated series Batman are like some of the greatest Bat comic book stuff ever. Yes, you know? this is why we should petition HBO Max. For either a live action or animated Batman Beyond, that would be awesome. A live action Batman Beyond would actually be yes. on HBO. Would actually be sick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> HBO, give us money. And the key is give it to HBO as opposed to DC. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Who was the Batman before Clooney? Um, Val Kilmer. Yes, Val Kilmer should be old Bruce Wayne. Yeah, his voice does it right. It could work. Yes. That would work. That would work. On a number of levels. That right. would work. Yes. It would work. It would be brilliant. And Tom Holland as... The young clone. The young, yeah. As uh, long. Uh, what's, his, uh, what's that character's name? I forget what his name is. Right? He's just, yes. It's just the Batman Beyond guy. Yeah, yeah I, I know. <laughs> it's like, what's his name? But that would be a great casting. Yeah, yeah. it would be. Yeah. It would be awesome. Val, call your agent. Yes. HBO, give us royalties. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Category number three. I call this person the Revenger. That just—that's the hero name right yeah, there. Right, that's the hero name. <laughs> yeah. right? The Revenger, right? Thank you, Thor. Yeah. Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this person is out for revenge, and they will do whatever they, they can to get it. Mm-hmm. So this is where Khan appears second time on the list, mm-hmm. right? Because this is Wrath of Khan. This is Khan's motivation in the movie. He is out to get revenge against Kirk. And frequently, the Revenger, like the revenge, is actually really irrational. It's not Kirk's fault mm-hmm. that the planet next door blew up (laughs) and that shifted city alpha five's orbit. That is actually Kirk had nothing to do with that, but the Revengers got this like really weird cooked up scheme in their head that like, it is their fault. He has a missile that can create his own planet. He could go off and like create paradise and like they could spend a thousand years rebuilding augment civilization and then come back and conquer the Federation if they wanted to. Which isn't hard to do. <laughs> right. That would be the grand plan and it would work. But like, no, I've got to chase after Kirk yeah. through this nebula, you know? <laughs> Which I have to point out is an example of how high intelligence mm-hmm. does not equal high personal development. Khan super mega genius but in that instance he's basically got the developmental level of a toddler of a toddler Mm -hmm. right well and even like when i think about this character they're usually actually are pretty intelligent but their intelligence doesn't help them in the end right Right. like in again star trek 2 it's that kirk ends up winning the battle because khan can't think in three-dimensional terms because he didn't grow up in space combat you know and so kirk does this (laughs) under him thing so for all of khan's intelligence it actually doesn't help him just because He's missing some critical piece, you know. He doesn't have the worldview that allows him to comprehend that. Right. Although if he'd been a sub-commander, submarine commander. Right. Well, right. You know, I mean, where was Khan's sub-force in 
you know, yeah. when he was taking over the world, right? Another character that would fit that in Star Trek is, again, in the first reboot movie, the Romulan mining ship. Oh, yeah, the Romulan, right. Nero. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, again, Spock had nothing to do with Romulus's star exploding. Picard was the guy who was in charge of the evacuations. Yeah. So like... <laughs> but, you know, Spock, Spock's actually trying to get there on the fastest possible ship right. to try to save Romulus. Right. All Spock is doing is trying to help. Right. And yet... The star explodes before Spock can get the job done. Yeah. And yet, Nero blames Spock. Yeah. Nero, come on, dude. Right. It's another perfect example. Yeah. Or my two things, Bible. Bible. This is Kane. Yep. So this is Kane's motivation. Kane's motivation is actually pretty irrational, if you mm-hmm. think about it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill my brother because God loves my brother more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And if I kill him, God will love me more? Right. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? You know, if you were God, I just want to be like, explain the man. <laughs> Yes. One plus one equals me. Right. Like one plus one equals fish. I treat it like a toddler. Now, why did you do that? And so this is Kane, right? He kills his brother because out of revenge. But the revenge is completely insane if you think about it, you know. And God even tells him that. He's like, why are you like so pissed off about this? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) You know? So this is Kane. Magneto. Mm. Yeah, I could see. He's got a just reason to be pissed. But just like Khan, he can go out and they've done this multiple times where there's been a there's safe havens for mutants. Yeah. He can go out and build everything just like Charles Xavier's school. He can go out and build a paradise yeah. for mutants. Yeah. And again, this is where, you know, separating the movie Magneto from the comic Magneto and what stage of the comic Magneto. Mm-hmm. In the comics, there are several times that Magneto goes through points where he picks up Charles Xavier's mission. Mm-hmm. He realizes that he was actually essentially a crusader. Right. And then he decides, no, no, you know, I'm going to have to go back. And mm-hmm. now I'm a good guy. Now I'm taking over Charles's mission. Yeah. And the difference between this guy, so this is a good point. The difference between this guy and the crusader is the Crusader thinks what they're doing is right. The Revenger doesn't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when again, Magneto goes through phases right. in the comics. In the movies, he's yeah. definitely the one who doesn't care. Yeah. I want to jump back biblically mm-hmm. to Cain because it just reminded me of Neil Gaiman in The Sandman. Mm-hmm. In the dreaming, Cain and Abel, that's where they are. That's where they ended up, their souls ended up going. Yeah. Was, was into the dreaming. And it's like a Twilight Zone thing where Every now and then, Cain still loses his temper, still gets really mad at Abel and kills him. Mm-hmm. But of course, being the dreaming, Abel's able to come back. Yeah. Theologically, has there been thought about this, about what happened? Abel was an innocent, essentially. Yeah. So right. what happens to Abel after he died? What is his fate? Or is it we still in a oh. theological place where there's just the phantom zone? There's yeah. no heaven or hell. Traditions, this is what limbo is for. I thought it was just for dancing. I know, right? Do, 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 do. How uh, low can you go? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about villainy and how low yeah. you can go. Right. So yes, really there's yes. a there's a traditional aspect to a lot of this, which is like before Christ, all those souls are in like right that like shadowy underworld, first circle of hell, which isn't that bad, but it's not great, you know. Yeah, it's like being at the BMV. That's a very uh, apt description. You know, like you're just chilling, like you know, mm. you got cell phone reception, but you're just there and. And that this is what the harrowing of hell is, is that Christ's literally, and the pictures are great, right? Because, like, he kicks down the door of hell, and, like, Satan is always getting squashed Looney Tune style into the door. <laughs> like, the door has Acme on it. Yeah, it's like, Acme hell door. Right. 
Like Jesus is waltzing in like bright white light into the pit of hell, you know, and he's basically like, come on, losers, we're getting out of here, you know, like, and he's like basically snagging all those people like Abel and all out of that limbo or first circle of hell or whatever you want to call it. So there's that kind of tradition of like, this is what the harrowing of hell is for. It's for liberating all those souls in prison. For whatever it's worth, the book of Hebrews uses Abel as the example of faith. Faith is what separates Abel's sacrifice from Cain. Do with that what you will, that he has some form of saving faith from the beginning. I don't know. It's hard to know. It's one of the questions I'll ask when I get to God. Be like, what was the real estate arrangement Yeah, before Jesus? <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed, though, because if you wait that long, it might be too late for the podcast. I know. Yeah. Right. I mean, we could have special heaven broadcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as far out of the realm of possibility as you think. True. At some point, I'll have to reveal the time that Jesus called me on the telephone. True story. <laughs> before I get into that, number one, uh-huh. Bugs Bunny in a beard uh-huh. running around hell, <laughs> just <laughs> knocking down the doors. <laughs> That's immediately what I thought of. <laughs> and it works. It does. But getting back to the hero portion uh-huh. of the topic, yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. Multiple different versions, specifically the Winter Soldier movie, yeah. where he doesn't care about anything but trying to kill Bucky. In the comics, it's when he's trying to kill Namor. I can't remember exactly what happened, but the war between Atlantis and uh, Wakanda, where something bad happened. I want to say the Atlanteans shot someone, and Mm -hmm. the Black Panther just went on an absolute— Right. Did war crimes just to get revenge. Right. Yeah. Although that gets back into the whole Marvel never being sure if the Submariner is a hero or a villain. Yes. But yeah, I mean, and part of that was building up to an Avengers storyline. Mm-hmm where Mephisto was actually manipulating all that to get Atlantis and some other major forces to ally temporarily to defeat the Avengers Mm -hmm. so that Mephisto could end up ruling the world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Millennia in the making. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Millennia, as in like the three years that it took to figure out this on a storyboard. (laughs) It was not well scripted and it was not well plotted, but... I managed to make it through the story. (laughs) (laughs) It's never quite good when that's the judge. It's like, I survived. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because it was a great concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so I wanted to stick it through to see what they were doing with the concept. I survived this concept. But that's all it was. It was like, dudes, really, seriously, you should have taken half the comic issues to make this happen. Uh, All right. Number four, the machine. Are we raging against it? Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Rage always makes everything better. (laughs) Improve your life with new rage. Rage. (laughs) So the machine is, you know, this is literal, right? It is a machine, Uh this villain. It's relentless. Mm -hmm. It cannot, it, it almost can never be stopped except by great sacrifice. And its motives are, you can kind of piece them out, but it's really hard. Like they're obscure because it's not biological. It's not. Whatever its motives are, it's kind of, it's hard. So these are some of actually, I think, sci-fi's greatest villains. And mm-hmm. so the Terminator, right, is yeah. kind of a uh, V'ger from Star Trek Motion Picture, which was an awful movie. But again, it's, it's a machine. It's just about to destroy the Earth. But why it's doing it, it's kind of hard to figure out, yeah. actually, you know, and or the Borg, right? This yeah. is the essence of the Borg. Um, sci-fi does this really well. Like, this is kind of... The machine is out to kill us, and we don't really know why. And it's yeah. haunting because 
you can't quite figure out, yeah. you know, it, like in Terminator, it's just, it's relentlessly pursuing you and you don't really know why and you can't negotiate with it. And yeah. What I like is that in most of those cases, when they are able to figure out the root cause of it, mm-hmm. it's almost always that the machines started off thinking this was the best way to fulfill their programming. Yeah. Often that programming is to protect humans. Mm-hmm. And the conclusion is humans are so flawed, the only way to protect them is either to be their evil overlord right. or just to wipe them out. Right. This is out I, robot, of, I Robot the movie, right? Yeah. It's like the, to fulfill the first law, they've got to rule all the humans. <laughs> That's something I like about yeah. it. Yeah. But Bible. Bible. The machines kind of like, you got to fudge this one a little bit. But mm-hmm. I kind of think this is how the Bible describes the Assyrians. They're this empire that kind of comes and they salt the earth and they destroy everything in front of them. And it's only by God's superior intervention several times Uh that their armies are ever turned back. They seem to kind of collapse, but then they come back and they're just relentless. They never quite stop. So it's hard because obviously physical machines aren't really in the Bible's purview. But just one stepchild of the Bible. Mm -hmm. What about the golem? Right. I mean, literally, right? It's relentless. It just kind of pursues. And And it's basically the ancient world's version of the machine. Mm -hmm. I would say Frankenstein also, back to like sci-fi, but like I would put Frankenstein in this category. Yeah. Movie Frankenstein. Yeah. Because novel Frankenstein is the human Dr. Frankenstein, who is actually the villain. Yeah, right, right, right. Human doctor, right. The monster, I guess I would put in like this category usually. You know, yes, the... The real villain is Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the monster in the novel is is essentially a child trying to get itself figured out. Right. And being abandoned by its parents. Right. There's that meme on the internet that's knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is the monster. Wisdom is knowing that Dr. Frankenstein's really the monster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. What do you say, Drew? I say Ultron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. Ultron. Yes. Right. And I kind of say Vision. Kind of. Vision in Civil War, the movie, like I yeah. would, I would kind of classify Vision. He he has this kind of purest relentlessness about him sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And also in uh, One Division, and second, the resurrected Vision mm. would yeah. really fit that in One Division. Yeah, mm-hmm. much more purely. Yeah, even offshoots like um, Cyborg Superman. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's also a debate about whether Tony Stark is becoming this this person i think like the like he never quite does but like there's always this argument of is he more suit than the man superior iron man yeah Mm, yeah i think it's i think that the movies at least are always hinting at like has tony stark lost his humanity in pursuit of the suit doc ock doc ock yes this is doc ock to a t right Mm -hmm. yeah right because literally the machines take over him yeah right but also cybermen and I'm disappointed that that didn't come up earlier, Dan. The Cylons yeah. are also in this group, right? Mm-hmm. Like, literally. Daleks. Daleks, again, that's where we'd have to... They're the transit... Well, Jeepers, this is where it gets hard. <laughs> it's oh hard when God. there's literally a machine that has a different... Mo- that fits a different yeah. category, you know? like Because the Daleks, they're biologic entities, but mm-hmm. they're so weirdly formed yeah. that they need the machine around them to accomplish their goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still think, the Daleks can still think on their own as each individual Mm -hmm. unit. Mm -hmm. But the Cybermen, Mm -hmm. the biologic is just essentially 
assimilated. And it's an enhancement so that the machine part can function better. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Cybermen on mm-hmm. this one. The Cybermen clearly, clearly, clearly fit mm-hmm. this, and they are more machine than biologic. Mm-hmm. They're like the Borg. The biologic is just an enhancement for the machine to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Drew, that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. We've agreed. Drew's just brilliant. Yes. In general. Yes. We all agree on this. I've concluded this a long time ago. <laughs> all right, number five. I don't know why I held my hand up there. It's not like anybody can see me. Um, you know, but this there is we why go. this needs to be right. videoed. The arsonist. This person just wants the world to be in utter chaos. The Joker from The Dark Knight Absolutely. is is the embodiment of of this character. The Joker in general, in most iterations, just wants to watch the world burn. The movie literally says that. No greater motivation, but because it has no greater motivation, he's the hardest villain to fight, right? Because yeah. there's no like underlying thing that you can really get at yeah biblically i think this is satan you know this is the category i would probably put satan in has no greater motivation other than to kind of see creation corrupted in his own kind of glorious purpose right yeah it's all out of spite yeah it's kind of again kind of like cain right kind of like cain right it's like but this is just it's just it's loose in the world and i just want to again the joker says it in the movie right like I'm a dog chasing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. <laughs> Is that on a lower scale? Wouldn't Lobo fit that? What do you think, Drew? Yeah. Also, Galactus. Yeah, Galactus is hard because he's almost like impersonal force. Like, I know he's supposed to be a villain, but whenever I encounter him in stories, it's almost just like a, it's like gravity. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, is gravity a villain? Like, well, if you're falling out of a building, yes. And when they explain Galactus's origin, Uh, he functionally is. He was one of the first entities of the universe. Right, he's a primal force of nature. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's hard for me to be like, is an earthquake a villain? You know, like. Exactly. And that's that's what Galactus would be, is functionally... It's just, an, he's a natural disaster. Is a hurricane a villain? Like, you know, like, it's bad, but is it villainous? Yeah. Like, it's just following the natural order of things. Right. You know. Then what about the Phoenix Force? Phoenix Force, unquestionably. Mm-hmm. And somehow, the human hosts are able to tame it a little bit, mm-hmm. and for a little while, never permanently. Yeah. But the Phoenix Force itself, yes, it just exists purely to wipe out planets. Right. To kind of unleash destruction yeah. for no reason. I'm going to jump out of franchise world mm-hmm. and go into the fifth element. Oh, the yeah. The dark yeah. entity in the fifth element. Yeah, the dark entity. This is like literally dark. Yeah, and the dark entity is like, it's like actually Satan. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, they, they don't hide that. They don't hide much. that. Like, it's like, okay. <laughs> it's just Satan that can be neutralized by right, the, right. the perfect being. Right, by the perfect being. I mean, she's effectively Jesus, right? You yeah. know, in female form. Willing to sacrifice herself. Right, to know. save the planet. Yeah. And, yeah. Sauron. I think Melkor is this, right? Morgoth, Sauron's boss. So there's this interesting line, I think it's in the Silmarillion, where Sauron started off as like one of the assistants to the the forge god. Sauron's problem is that he thinks creation is too disordered. You know, like he wants everything perfectly regimented like a factory. You know, it's kind of like his like problem with creation, if you will. Like he thinks he can do it. I don't know if Sauron wants to watch the world burn i think he's almost closer to the machine like he wants he wants a perfectly a strangely perfectly ordered world which is so disordered actually yeah and to bridge that to reality isn't that what not all by any stretch but Mm -hmm. isn't that what most fascists are really after 
Yeah. It's their vision of order. Mm -hmm. They blame the disorder on typically them with right. a capital T, some right. other group. The other. Yeah. Right. But they feel if you purge that other, mm -hmm. then they can have their ideal of order right. under the fascist regime. But I do think Melkor Morgoth is like literally this, right? He starts off trying to outsing God mm -hmm. <laughs> in creation, right? And like he just wants to kind of mess it all up <laughs> because he's not the one in charge. I he think. knows better. Right. Mm -hmm. He knows better. All right. Number six. Number six is I'm the guy compensating for something. <laughs> um, okay. Is that the actual? Yeah, that's actually what I wrote. I literally wrote, I'm compensating for something guy. Um, Can I say 90% of males on the planet? A lot of real people fall into this. The I'm mm -hmm. compensating for something guy always wants glorious purpose because he thinks he's basically trying to fill a void that can't be filled. And mm -hmm. so I will grab glorious purpose for myself. So it's Loki, right? Yeah. He, he feels like he's the unloved second child. Everything after that, I'm going to rule the earth. You're clearly compensating for something, dude. Yeah. Just set it down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It plays out psychologically, Freudian-wise, right. perfectly with Loki. Yeah. And again, cinematic Loki, because he does still have a soft spot for his adopted mother, mm -hmm. but the father and brother. Right. Father and brother are hated and he can't. And even when he's working with him, he's got to work against them. And yeah. yeah. The mule in the foundation series mm -hmm. was like his, you know, I'm the sterilized mutant that's deformed physically, yeah. and, but I'm going to rule the universe. Cause I got the power to do it. Modoc. Mm -hmm. And a season one Fisk in daredevil. He thinks he's the good guy and he keeps compensating. Mm -hmm. Everything he does is to compensate for the fact that, He's not actually the good guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is what's great about season one fifth about that. That season was so good that, mm -hmm. but that, that speech he gives at the end about when he's in the, the, the prison, yeah. The, yeah. the car and he gives the speech about the, the good Samaritan story, mm -hmm. you know, like that's his transition to another archetype, Yeah, you know, but season one, he's clearly compensating for the abuse of his father and for all sorts of stuff. I'm going to take Drew's line for a moment. Bible. Pilot. This is Pilot. This is how I see Pilot. You know, hmm. he's he's actually, he's the pettiest individual on the planet, but you just put a petty little tyrant, you know, gave him ultimate power in the world, and he doesn't give a damn what happens to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or anybody in Right, or Judea. Any, yeah. anybody in Judea. And so he'll be arbitrary and kill people left and right, you know, just because he's a petty little guy and but he's compensating for how small he actually is. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he's not even like, like in Roman bureaucracy, like Judea is not even a full province. Like that's how insignificant it is. Like it's, he's not what we would call pro-consular governor. He's a, he's a pro-praetor, you know, it's the step below governor. He's a medium sized fish in a very small pond. Yeah. In a puddle. <laughs> right. In a puddle. But you put him back in Rome, you know, he's nothing. He's not anybody important in the Senate. Like they gave him this little, backwater town basically <laughs> to govern what about judas yeah i think you could yeah i think you could definitely put judas here right i'll kill jesus because he's not fulfilling my dreams of what the movement's supposed to be so you could definitely put judas here especially like jesus christ superstar judas a lot of petty villains fall into this category villains who are villains because over something very petty like mm -hmm. this is where a lot of these villains fall most of the flashes villains fall into this category absolutely the goblins mm -hmm. green goblin uh harry osborne um especially spider-man 3 harry osborne oh yeah oh gosh right. yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but then Iron Man. Right. Iron Man, when he's at his worst, is I'm compensating for... It's like, dude, just accept the fact your dad didn't love you. Like, <laughs> Accept that death is coming. Right. Don't download your brain into onto a hard drive. Right. It's like, yeah, you're going to die. Yeah. You, you race around in a metal suit fighting aliens. Like, yeah, yeah you're going to die at some point. Like, all of you are. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> What makes you a hero is you know that, and yet you still are willing to make the sacrifice. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, don't, right. So don't put your brain in a. Yeah. yeah. Right. But also, yeah. like, you know, the whole arc reactor, I am compensating for the fact that yeah. I got shrapnel in my heart. Yeah, uh, it's literally compensating, right? Yeah. Yeah. When he had to deal with his alcoholism in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say Iron Man for yeah. sure. Yep. So I wasn't very into Iron Man until the alcoholism story arc. Mm-hmm. The alcoholism got really bad struggle and he had to give up being iron man and mm-hmm. that's when i started reading iron man because it was like okay this is a real human character mm-hmm. right and yeah and it's exactly that as you're reading it why he's struggling with alcoholism it's mm-hmm. all about compensation mm-hmm. all right our final taxonomy I call this just have a Snickers because you're a villain when you're hungry guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and I don't mean physically hungry, but power hungry. And that this guy's thing is that he's power hungry and he wants more and more power. It's never going to stop. Mm-hmm. And he just wants more and more and more. And that leads to anything justified to get more power. This is Emperor Palpatine. Oh, and, yeah. And basically nah. all Sith, you know, this is their modus operandi yeah right it's dr doom dr doom right vader, vader. oh yeah. yeah right this is what turns vader right you yeah. know what was i watching oh it was prince of egypt right there's this line that in the the prince of egypt the cartoon movie where moses says to ramses let go of your contempt for life before it undoes everything that you believe you know like it's actually a really deep line like let go of your contempt for life you know about this person they don't really like life they just want power <laughs> power for power's sake mm-hmm. that that's when i have to admit it intrigues me I, I think about that in real life a lot mm-hmm. you know why people hunger for world domination because what does it get you in the end right i mean there's only it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah, it is it's a ton of work and and then you know you get to a certain level everybody's out to kill you so you don't have total freedom yeah so that can't be the motivation human technology is only at a certain level so there's only so much luxury you can have right when you actually think about it being hyper dominant mm-hmm. really doesn't end up having any advantages it ends up being a cage right I really kind of don't want to go political, but you can totally go political with a former president. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Because yeah. there. there are right. multiple different ways, you know, that conversation can go. Yeah. But many former presidents, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But again, there's a certain level of authority beyond which it's illogical to want more. Right. Yes. I would agree with that. Uh, did we do the Bible? Ramesses. But you talked about. Ramses from the standpoint of Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Does biblical Ramses actually fit that though? Never actually says it's Ramses in the Bible. That's the funny part. It's Pharaoh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think Pharaoh is in the Bible is I'm I'm out for power, you know, to be God. Yeah, I'm out for power. And I resist anything that's telling me I can't have that power. Uh, so I'll resist God, I'll harden my heart, even though it's destroying the kingdom around me. New Testament, I think Simon Magus, uh, Simon the Magician, if you remember this character from the book of Acts, where he literally tries to buy the Holy Spirit from yeah. Peter. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, 
he sees Peter doing stuff, and he's like, I'll give you $50 for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it is. It's like the magician's trade union. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you know, at a certain level, you have to give your secrets. So. Right. And, uh, and I think he fits. You know, he's a lesser character. But like, yeah. I think he fits this this archetype also. You know, it doesn't have to be the biggest villain. <laughs> you know, it can be this really petty guy, actually, yeah. who just wants more power. What about Herod? Christmas Story Herod, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is Christmas Story Herod to a T. Yes. Mm. Yep. Real life Herod too. Well, I mean, naming all all of his sons Herod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Herod. Herod. Yeah. Herod. There's a little bit of ego going on yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> they will all be Herod. <laughs> so the Hulk versus Banner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because from a psychological standpoint, what is the Hulk but Banner's id? fully unleashed and in control right mm-hmm. and isn't the thing with the hulk actually like the more he's getting beaten the stronger he gets yeah like, like so like he's functionally literal, immortal now right like literally <laughs> like you can't kill him because he'll just get stronger and more powerful yeah. so the angrier he gets the more power he gets yeah, yeah. wolverine oh interesting because really he is one snickers away from being a villain <laughs> he is yeah yeah you're right you're actually right and in fact even like what's happened to his body mm-hmm. is because he's given into his villainous side Sabretooth is the example right right Sabretooth is what wolverine can Would... become if at the last moment of each of those story arcs he doesn't get that snickers right he doesn't yeah. get that snickers right, right. <laughs> yep <laughs> Oh, Drew, you have just excelled today. Yes, mm-hmm. just really good. And it also really did help that you brought the shirt <laughs> yeah, in. Right, I, the shirt. I mean, just staring at yeah, the it's shirt. It's funny because I would look over there. You'd have this intense look on your face of thought, and then I'd see your eyes glance down to the shirt and scan. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, who? Which one on here fits? <laughs> and you've talked about pretty much everybody on here except the thing. <laughs> well, the thing is. He's good-hearted, actually. Yeah. Like, that's the problem with the thing. Like, he's actually just, like, good-hearted. I feel like he's a very basic hero. Yeah, he is. He just wants to go out and help people. He's right. a nice guy. He yes. has, in Marvel fashion, there are consequences to him being the thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where his depth of character comes in. It's not like he's got this dark side. He's really just, like, a good guy. But no, nobody wants to treat him like a good guy because he's a walking pile of rock. (laughs) And so, like, it's too weird, you know? It's too... And he can't be pigeonholed into this ultra-powerful person because he can't defeat the Hulk. Right. You know, he doesn't fit any real mold. Right. Right. Which is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. Right. It's what allows him to be special Mm -hmm. as a character. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why I have such an affinity for Ben Grimm. Mm -hmm. It's exactly that. Yeah, he is a... Good person. He's a good guy in a really weird situation. Yeah. It's the world that's making problems right. for him. Yeah. Same thing with Colossus. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Peter. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, folks, that's been our taxonomy of uh, villains. Thank you guys for indulging my strange list making. <laughs> it was never done. <laughs> make more lists. You make more lists. <laughs> that's all this show will be lists. And that reminds me, though, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. of listeners. Yes. Now that we have more than one. <laughs> You're right. Uh, Listen, listeners. I can use the plural. Yeah. If you have ideas for shows, you have questions right. you'd like us to tackle. If you work for HBO and you want more details on our cutting plans, mm-hmm. just write us and we'll make more episodes right. on that line. Or even if you think that uh, that we that I've missed a classification of supervillain, write us about it. You know, add it in the comments. Yeah. Add, we'll, add number eight. We'll know? do a yeah. sequel and right. with the other characteristics of villainy. 
And Dan, where can people find this podcast? Well, as it happens, uh-huh. Dave, I have a list right here. <laughs> Beat me to the punch. <laughs> I was about to say, is there a list, Dan? <laughs> By pure coincidence. Uh-huh. We are available on Apple, Google, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Samsung, Player FM. Basically, if you're a legitimate podcast platform, it's we're, got church in space now. We're on it. We're so. on it. What about illegitimate ones? Well, this is a church-sponsored show, so I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Underground podcasting. <laughs> Actually, there are a couple of pirate podcast yeah. platforms that, yeah, unfortunately we're on. We didn't go there. The pirates took us. Ooh, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> We've been kidnapped by pirates. Yeah. <laughs> Next time on this podcast, we try and bribe our way out of piracy. Ooh, but yeah, Actually, just, that would be a very good concept. What? Piracy. Piracy? Piracy in science fiction? Ooh. That's a good topic, too. If you have any other topics, you can always contact us. This has been Church in Space. In 3D. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Drew. Did you bring the comics? I'm wearing the comics. Boy, that's going to be a weird one to go out on. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I got nothing else to say. (laughs)